Now, if you are new, we are in part five of our Imagine series. And in this series, we've been talking about the big vision that God has given us as a church family over the next few years. And I want you to help me remember what this is all about, okay? So we're talking about what in the P? Pursuing our community. S? Serving our community. T? Teaching our community. You put that together and you get? Psst. So God is trying to get our attention. He's saying, psst. Imagine what I can do in you and through you when you join me in the work that I have for you in your community. So this is a special time for us in our church family as we are trusting God, taking big steps with him. And if you have not received our Imagine folder yet, I highly recommend you get that. It's got some great information in there. There's a brochure that tells you the history of our church and some of the vision. There's a card with some key dates and a prayer guide. There's some other great information in this folder. So if you haven't gotten one, I encourage you to get that. And if you're new, you need to know that through this series, I'm primarily talking to those who are Christ followers and part of our church family. So if you're new and just checking out uh, faith and just trying to see if if God could be a factor for you, I am so glad you're here. And today you're going to hear something that God is going to do for all of us. I think God wants to do for all of us. And it's an interesting thing that's not all that comfortable, but there are huge benefits on the other side of it. And I'm glad you're here for that. But just remember, I'm talking primarily to our church family. Okay, I told you last week that I'm gonna get real personal with you today about my journey in generosity, about how God has grown me in generosity throughout my life. And I'm gonna use this rubber band to help us do that, okay? So go ahead and stretch your rubber band a little bit and kind of get the feel for you know what a rubber band's all about. Rubber bands are great. Again, you can shoot them at people, you can snap people with them. If during the service you find yourself nodding off, just snap your own leg. It'll wake you right up. Snap, snap the leg of the person next to you. Wake them right up if they're falling asleep as well. Now, if you think about the purpose of a rubber band, the purpose of a rubber band is to stretch and hold things together. That's why they were designed, to stretch and hold things together. So if they don't stretch enough, they don't really hold things together. If they stretch too much, they don't hold things together because they break. But if they stretch just enough, they hold things together. I love that about rubber bands, but I hate when God uses me like a rubber band and stretches me to new levels of faith in him. Like, I hate that. I love the other side of it when I'm stretched and I grow to be a little bit more like Jesus, but the stretching process is painful. I I don't always love that, but get this. When God stretches us, guess who holds everything together? It's him. As he stretches us, he's the one who holds everything together. Now, I've been a Christ follower for 47 years. And if you're thinking, man, he doesn't even look like he's 47 years old. If you think that, I like you. And I would like to be your friend after this service. Uh, So uh, I've been a Christ follower for 47 years and God has stretched me in those 47 years. He stretched me in elementary school. He stretched me in middle school. He stretched me in high school. He stretched me in college. He stretched me as a young adult. He stretched me when I got married. He has been stretching me in my marriage. He's been stretching me as a parent. Uh, He stretched me to become a pastor. He's been stretching me as a pastor. Guess what? Through this Imagine series, God's been stretching me again. You would think that through all of that stretching of 47 years, I would be used to it. 
And anytime God comes along and says, hey, Trent, I want to stretch it, you'd think I'd be like, you got it, God, bring it on. Love it, but I don't respond that way. I don't love being stretched by God. One of the biggest ways that God has stretched me and grown me spiritually is through generosity, is through how I handle my finances in the perspective I have of my finances. So I'm gonna talk about money today a little bit. And if you're new to this, you might think, oh no, like this is the moment where I'm supposed to feel pressure or feel uncomfortable or he's gonna try to get into my wallet or something like that. Let me just assure you that's not the case. That's really not the case. Um, God wants something for us, not something from us when it comes to generosity. God doesn't want anything from us when it comes to this. He really wants something for us. And the reality is God doesn't need our money. He doesn't need our money. He, like he, he's not up in heaven, you know, bumming lunch money off of us because he didn't have enough you know, money for lunch that day. God has all the resources that he needs, but he's doing something different inside of all of us. And that's why he stretches us in that capacity. So just relax, sit back and enjoy my story of being stretched by God. Two weeks ago, we talked about God being a very generous God and we read Psalms 40 or 24, 1, which says the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all of its people belong to him. And then we read in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17, where the apostle Paul told a young pastor named Timothy, he said this, he said, Timothy, teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud, not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. Now, this is where many of us say, great, this verse doesn't apply to me because I'm not rich. Well, if you have a car, if you have a job, if you have a place that you can live and you have a, a pillow that you can put your head on at night to fall asleep, then you are part of the richest group in the world. And if you doubt that, I invite you to go on one of our international mission trips and you'll learn very quickly that we are part of the, the, one of the richest nations in the world. So we're, we all fit into that category. So again, Paul says, teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud, not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. Their trust should be in God, who richly gives us all that we need for our enjoyment. Tell them to use their money to do good, and they should be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. By doing this, they will be storing up treasure as a good foundation for the future so that they may experience true life. So God is extremely generous, and he wants us to be generous just like he is. So listen to what Ephesians 5.1 says. It says, imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children. So he wants us to follow his example when it comes to generosity. Now, like I said, I've struggled with generosity for much of my life, and I don't mind being generous with my time and my talents, but I don't love being generous with my money. So here's kind of how I've operated with my money and God and others around me. So I've lived much of my life with hands closed and fists clenched around what I have. Why? Because I think it's mine, because I don't want anybody else taking it, and I certainly don't want God taking it because I've been a Christ follower again for a long time. And I've learned about God that one of the things that God wants us to do is live with open hands and be generous with all that we have. And I've struggled with that in my life. Now, two weeks ago, I showed you this pathway to generosity. 
this chart that helps us learn how to grow in generosity in our relationship with God. So the first step is being a first-time giver. And some of us are at that spot where we've never given uh, to God before. Another step is a percentage giver where we give like five or 8% of our income back to God through a local church. Next step is being a tither, giving 10% of our income back to God. And then the next step beyond that is being an intentional giver, giving intentionally beyond our tithe to things that, that are important to us, things that God puts on our heart. And then the last step there is legacy giving. And that's giving beyond our lives, giving when we're gone so that our resources are continuing to help our local church fulfill the mission that God has given them. So my journey towards generosity started back here. It started at a first-time giver standpoint. So uh, that started when Tammy and I got married almost 30 years ago. We were at that spot. And when we first got married, Tammy and I were both working. She was a teacher in our county, and I was working in the mental health field. And together, we made about $60,000 combined. And when we decided to start having kids, which, surprise, surprise, our oldest daughter came in year two of our marriage. And when Sydney came along, uh, that's her husband right there. So when our kids were, were being born, we, we decided, you know what, we want, or we had always wanted for Tammy to stay home with our kids. And, and that may not be for everybody, but that was something that we wanted to do for us. But when we got to that spot, when little Sydney came into the world, I said, there is no way that you can quit your job. It's not possible. Like, we've got to feed this little girl. We've got to you know, put clothes on this little girl. We've got to take care of her. Like, there's no way we could go from $60,000 to $30,000. It's just not possible. So for two years, I told God, absolutely no. You cannot stretch me in that capacity. We will not do that. During that time frame, Tammy and I took a small group experience called Experiencing God at our church, Palm Coast Community Church, that we were attending at the time. Anybody ever heard of Experiencing God or, or been through it? Uh, okay. Did you one at your house one time? I probably did. Story of God. So that was a little different. Experiencing God, story of God, they're a little different from each other, but yeah, very similar. So experiencing God in that, it was a great small group study. Well, during that time frame, the whole point of that study is to stretch you in your faith. And guess where God was stretching us? God kept saying, Trent, it's time for Tammy to resign her job and stay home. And I'm like, you gotta be out of your mind, God. Like that is not possible. We can't live off $30,000. It's just not possible. God kept stretching and asking, kept stretching and asking, kept stretching and asking. After two years, I said, okay, we're gonna do this. We took this huge leap of faith, and guess what? We found that we could survive on $30,000. Like, it was amazing. I didn't know that we could do that, but we found, we made some adjustments, adjustments and we found that we could survive. Shortly after that, I was given an opportunity to move back to Virginia, the school that I, I went to, uh, for my undergraduate degree and finish my graduate degree in counseling. So here was the arrangement. And at that point, uh, we had two kids. So Sydney and Maddie, our two oldest daughters, we had them with us. So we had a young family. And the arrangement with the school was they would pay for my education. And on top of that, they would pay me if I worked for them. So it was a full-time job, full-time student. And they paid me $700 a month. Like, isn't that exciting? Like, are you thinking like, man, like who would ever turn that down, especially with a young family? So you know, we're wrestling with that. And here's part of what we were wrestling with. Our van payment and our insurance at that time was $350 a month. So living off of $350 a month, 
with two young kids. I'm going like, this is crazy. Not so sure that, that we could do this. But after watching God meet our needs with half of our income, we thought, you know what? He might be able to meet our needs with 25% of our income. So we took the job. It was a huge leap of faith. I got the phone call, said, hey, if you're going to take the job, we need you here in a week. I had a week to make that decision. And we moved. And we moved from Flagler County. We moved up to Virginia. We were there for two years. That first year was hard. It was unbearable almost. I mean, we wrestled. We struggled so much. We struggled financially. Uh, we, we came to Virginia with about $5,000 credit card debt. And we ended up with more debt. It was medical bills that we had uh, when we got up there. So we kept thinking, let's just move back to Florida and I'll get my old job back. And, and we'll just go back to the, the way that things were. Like we were managing life back then and we'll just go do that. But uh, I kept wrestling with, I feel like God's called us here. So we started reading, rereading, studying, and praying through Matthew chapter six. And these are the words of Jesus. And if you're in a, a tough spot financially, like I encourage you later today to read this whole chapter and maybe spend some time, some significant time reading, studying, and praying through Matthew chapter six. But listen to what Jesus said, starting in verse 24. He said, no one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. That's why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food and, and drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store foods in barns for your heavenly father feeds them. And aren't you more valuable to him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? Why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon, that's King Solomon, and all of his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things, saying, well, what are we gonna eat? What are we gonna drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly father already knows all your needs. So seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. Amen. So powerful passage. We lived in that passage for a year. We prayed, we anguished through that passage. And year number two for us was a very different year. We look back on year number two with lots of fondness. We love to talk about what God did in year number two. And it was because we started to put God first and put God first in his kingdom above everything else. And we started to do that. And we started to watch how God responded when we did that. And one of the ways that we did that was we put God to the test based on something he said in Malachi chapter three. Malachi chapter three, verse 10. This is God speaking to the nation of Israel. He said to them, bring all the tithes into the storehouse so that there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it and put me to the test. Uh, it, I found it interesting in my life. I have put God to the test in almost every other area of my life except that area. And a lot of us are like that. And I had struggled to, to put God to the test when it came to my finances. Now, God was directly speaking to the Old Testament people of Israel 
through that verse, but I think what God said to them still applies to us today. God still wants us to bring our tithes and our offerings back to him and give that through a local church. That's God's mission for funding that church to fulfill the vision that God's given them. And it's how God teaches us to trust him on a regular basis. So if you're new to the word tithe, tithe just means a tenth, means 10%. So here's an example. So I have some apples up here. I have 10 apples. Psalms 24.1 says, all of these apples belong to God. They're his, they're not mine, but he's entrusted them to me for my enjoyment and his purposes. And so when it comes to our finances, God says, listen, I want you to give a tenth, one out of 10. I want you to give back to me through a local church, one apple out of 10 apples or $1 out of $10. And that will help that church fulfill the mission that God has for them. And it will remind you on a regular basis that I can do more for you with 90% than you can do yourself with 100%. And I've experienced that in my life personally. So again, tithe just means a tenth, one out of every 10. Now that's super simple, super simple to demonstrate that with apples on stage. It's not so simple when it comes to me and my finances in me doing that. But after saying no to God in that area of my life, Tammy and I started tithing at that spot. At our lowest point financially, we started tithing, making $700 a month. We started writing tithe checks to our church twice a month when we got paid $35 each time. And we would write those checks and we would turn them in and give them uh, through our church. And we're thinking like, what are they gonna do with $35? Like you can't even buy lunch nowadays with $35. But it didn't matter what they were doing with it. It mattered what we were doing with it. So we started giving that on a consistent basis. And God blessed us so much that year, it is so hard to remember all the ways that God blessed us. But here's just a few examples of how God blessed us that year. So first, right after we started tithing, I was offered a part-time job that was the perfect job for me. So I could do it after my full-time job. I could do it after my full-time schooling. As long as I got it done by the next morning and I had several days that I I could do that in, I was good. So it was just the perfect time, had the perfect flexibility. And guess who picked up that job after I left? Tim Jones did, because we went to college together. And he, he was blessed with that job after that. So it was an amazing job. Gave us some margin in our lives at that time and we were able to to give even more. And then the second way God blessed us was he gave Tammy the superpower of finding great deals when she was shopping. Like she still has that superpower. But she would come home and show me the stuff that she had purchased for our young family uh, living in Virginia. We were from Florida. We didn't have all the stuff that we needed for winter. And she'd come home and show me all the stuff that she bought. She would say, guess how much I bought this for? And I said, I don't know. And I would guess you, nope, you're wrong. And I would guess you, nope, you're wrong. I keep going down, she's like, nope, you're wrong, nope, you're wrong. And often, like we're, we're talking like $10 or less, $5 or less, sometimes 50 cents. And she's telling me all these amazing stories of how God helped her to find something that we needed in that moment. And it was so much fun to play the game. Guess how much I bought that for? We don't play that game quite as much as we used to anymore. Another way that God blessed us was when we moved to Virginia, I had made a stupid business decision that cost us $1,500. And I tried to get that money back. I tried and I tried and I tried and I tried and I could not get that money back. Well, three years later, when we were at that spot 
of being at the lowest point financially, one of the people in that business wrote a personal check, actually two personal checks, to pay us back. It wasn't out of business. It was out of their pocket. It came at just the perfect time for us to pay some medical bills and some other bills. So it was awesome to see how God was working through that. And, and get this, this is probably one of the biggest summaries of how God blessed us during that time frame. We moved to Virginia with about $5,000 credit card debt. We took a 75% pay cut. We left Virginia debt-free. How's that possible? I think it's possible because God fulfilled his promise. And he blessed us after we got serious about trusting him with what He's giving us. So for us, if we could pull that chart back up, for us, we went from first time giver to tithers. And we skipped the step in just that short season of our lives. And we began tithing and have been tithing ever since. So then 23 years ago, we moved back to Florida and we were offered a job at Palm Coast Community Church, the church that sponsored us and launched us into the county. So we were offered a job there to lead their small groups ministry. And here's what the leadership of the church said at the time when we were considering this. They said, listen, we don't have any money to pay you, but we would love for you to trust God with us that he will meet your needs. Now, normally I would say no to an amazing offer like that. But after watching God take us from $60,000 to $30,000 to about $8,000 a year, we thought this was just the path that God was leading us on and no money was the next step. God must be involved. And so we said, okay, so, so we'll do this. So we, we took that, that step and next Sunday is the first Sunday that I went into full-time ministry 23 years ago. Been in full-time ministry for 23 years now. And God has... God has blessed in abundance over the past 23 years. After coming on staff at Palm Coast Community Church, I started, we started tithing on our gross income, not just our net income, because we wanted God to bless us on our gross income. And then we started giving intentionally above our tithe. And we found that we stepped from tithing to intentional giving without even really thinking about it. God just put some things on our hearts that we wanted to give to missionaries and support ministries uh, in our community. And we just started doing that on a consistent basis as God placed those things on our hearts. And we found ourselves at the spot of intentional giving. That leads us to 2020, so three years ago. We were talking about raising money to expand ministry to our community and buy land for our church, and that was under our four flagler vision. And at that time, I was excited and I was afraid at the same time. So I could feel God stretching me when it came to finances again, and I could feel my fingers closing around my belongings again. A little bit afraid to fully trust God in that process. So God stretched me again, and he reminded Tammy and I, hey, I can be trusted. And so we slowly loosened our grip, or I slowly loosened my grip while Tammy waited for me to do that. And we, had, we gave, three years ago, the most money we've ever given away to a church or to anyone. We gave the most money that we'd ever given. And it was because God stretched us, and then he proved how he could meet our needs. And he did. He met our needs. He helped us to pay what, what we had intended to give. And it was an exciting time to, to walk through that. Then when our elder team, since it was time to start building our permanent church home and taking steps in that direction, guess how I felt? You think I was like, yeah, it's time. A little bit. 
I was excited. And guess what? Again, I was a little bit afraid. Like I'm thinking, like we gave the most we'd ever given three years ago. Like, I don't know that we have access to more resources that we could do that again. Like, I'm not sure how we're going to walk through that. And again, I felt my fingers closing just a little bit. God said, no, 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 don't do that. Don't do that. Keep your hands open. Here's what I've learned as, as I continue to wrestle with this, this tension in my life. When my hands are open, God can take things out of my hands and God can put things in my hands. He can take whatever out he wants to take out. And he can put something new in my hands if my hands are like this. If my hands are like this, guess what? It's really hard for God to take things out or put things in. And so he keeps reminding me, live with open hands, with everything that you have. So I was excited and I was a little bit afraid at that time. God stretched us again and he challenged us to give significantly more than what we'd given before. So here's what God led us to do. He led us to look at our spending and make some adjustments, make some adjustments to things that we didn't need anymore or we could spend less on that. And so we did that. He led us to give our retirement savings for the next two years. And he led us to give money that we're gonna use for our 30th wedding anniversary, which is coming up in December. And then on top of that, he said, I want you to give a faith gift. So you sat down, Trent, and you did all your math and you figured it all out, but I want you to take another step forward of trusting me in faith. And I, I had gotten to the spot where I was comfortable with what we could give and God said, nope, we're gonna take another step. And I'm like, God, I don't know about that. Where's that coming from? He said, you gotta trust me. I'll provide that. I'll provide that over the next few years, but I want you to step into a next level of trusting me and generosity, and I will provide that. Then he challenged us to start giving in August of this past August. So to give 29 months instead of 24 months in a typical time frame of our imagined vision. So that's what we've done. And God has shown us how we can give twice the amount of what we gave three years ago, two times the amount. Now, I'm not saying that to pat myself on the back or make you think I'm special because I'm not. Because you've heard, I struggle with generosity. I'm just telling you, God continues to stretch me. He continues to grow me. And God continues to hold everything together when I let him stretch me. Now, why would we do that? Why would Tammy and I uh, say no to some things that we enjoy, some things that we want to enjoy or planning for our future? And here's why. We have friends in Flagler County who don't know Jesus. And if someone doesn't pursue them, if someone doesn't serve them, if someone doesn't teach them about a relationship with Jesus, they will spend eternity apart from the God who loves them. And like, we're not okay with that. We're not okay with that. So we're willing to sacrifice. We're willing to give our retirement giving for the next two years. Like, is... Is a soul worth a couple of years of retirement investment? Yeah, I think so. Is a soul worth us adjusting our spending and maybe spending a little bit less on certain things for the next few years? Yeah, yeah, I think it is. I think it is. Is it worth uh, giving some of the money that we're going to use for our 30th wedding anniversary? Yep, it is. Certainly is. So I asked you several weeks ago, I asked you, who are you willing to sacrifice for and what are you willing to sacrifice so that they can meet Jesus and have their eternity transformed forever? So would you be willing to spend less on TV or maybe less on coffee for that to happen? Would you be willing to sell something that, that you're not using for that to happen? Would you be willing to give something that you were saving for 
so that somebody that you know in your family, in your neighborhood, a coworker, a, a classmate, so that they could come to know Jesus. Would you be willing to do that? Think about this. Someone sacrificed at some point in your life so you could meet Jesus if you're a Christ follower. Someone sacrificed for me so I could meet Jesus and be radically transformed by him. So we should want to, in turn, sacrifice on somebody else's behalf so that they can come to know Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior. Now, here's where some of you might be feeling uncomfortable. You might feel like I'm trying to pressure you in some way or guilt you into giving. I'm not. Listen to what the Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians 9, 7. He says, you must each decide in your heart how much to give and don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. No one should give under pressure. If you feel pressured by me, don't give. Don't give. I think you should give. Give somewhere else. But if you feel pressured by me, don't give here. I'm not trying to pressure you. I'm just telling you the story of how God has stretched me what God has been doing in my heart to understand, help me understand that it's way better to live with hands wide open than it is to live clinching things that we have. So we all need to just ask God what he wants us to do and then do that. I hope that you've heard in my story, at least the short summary of my story, that God stretched Tammy and I over 28 years. And I hope that you know that God will not stretch you in 28 days like he stretched us in 28 years, okay? So God loves to stretch us a little bit at a time. He won't overstretch us. He knows that'll break us. But he'll stretch us a little bit at a time until we step into that next level of faith in him, and then he'll stretch us a little bit more and a little bit more. And our relationship with God will be like that until Jesus comes back. We never get to a spot where God says, you're done. No more stretching. Why? Because we all need to become a little bit more like Jesus. So until Jesus comes back, God's going to stretch us a little bit more and a little bit more, and we need to learn how to let him do that. Now, I don't know where you're at on your spiritual journey. I don't know where you're at when it comes to generosity and trusting God with generosity, but here's the challenge for us. God is challenging us to take a step with him. So again, I don't know where you're at, but for some of you, that step of trust and that stretch for you is to become a first-time giver is to give consistently whenever you get paid. Maybe that's the big stretch. For others, the big stretch is to be a percentage giver and give maybe five or 8% of your income on a consistent basis. Whenever you get paid, give a percentage of your income. Maybe God's stretching you like he did for me to become a tither and put him to the test, like he said in Malachi chapter three, verse 10. Maybe God is challenging you to take a step and trust him by tithing on your gross income instead of your net income. I don't know what God might be saying to you there. Maybe God's challenging you to step to intentional giving. Give beyond a tithe towards things that are, are, you're passionate about and God's passionate about in our community. And maybe God is challenging you to step towards a legacy giving where you can give beyond your life. And when you're gone, you're not here anymore and you're in heaven kind of cheering your church family on. You've given resources so your church family can continue the work that God has given them. So that's the step that Tammy and I are at right now, trying to figure out what that looks like for us. And again, I don't know where you're at on this journey, but I do know that God wants us to trust him and take a step with him. Now, here's the interesting thing. 
God might be asking some of us, not all of us, he might be asking some of us to take two steps. Maybe God's saying like, hey, I want you to just step past the first time and become a percentage giver. Others, for others, God might be saying, I want you to step past these two. I want you to start tithing. So again, I don't know where you're at on your spiritual journey. Only you know how many steps God is stretching you to take. So just listen to God and do what he asks you to do. Now, next Sunday is Commitment Sunday. That's the day when our church family is going to come together and we're going to tell God, God, we're all in. We're all in for pursuing our community, serving our community, teaching our community how to have a real relationship with Jesus Christ. Well, we're all in for building a church home where we can reach thousands more for you. We're all in for that. And together, we're going to turn in our intention cards. And there should be an intention card on your seat. We've been handing these out over the past few weeks. And hopefully, you've become a little familiar with that. But just for one more time, I'm going to walk you through how you can fill in one of these intention cards for those of you who might be new. So there's a, a card going to come up on the screen here. And the top box says what I or what we, we normally give in a year. And you would put that number there. And then the second box says my or our expanded annual financial giving for Imagine. So you sense, if you sense God asking you to stretch out a little bit, so you'd write that number there. You'd add those together. You'd multiply that by two years. And that would be your new normal of, of what you'd be giving. And then in this stored gift category, that could be anything. Like God asking you to give a portion of your income tax return or uh, something from stocks or bonds or something you're not using and, and you want to sell for that. That could be any resource that you have that you could turn that into, uh, liquidate that into cash, and you would want to give that there. You'd add that there, add those together, and that would be the amount that you would give over the next two years towards our Imagine vision. So here's three examples with numbers of what that could look like, and I'll try to run through this quickly. So let's say you, you haven't given before. So you would write zero in that top column, and if God's uh, challenging you to stretch that to another $500, then you'd write, uh, add those together, write 500 in that column times two years. That's $1,000, and let's say God wanted you to give something of $500 worth of value. You'd add that there, add those together. That's $1,500 that you would give over the next two years. Example number two. Let's say you typically give $1,000 and you felt like God was wanting you to stretch it, another 500, you'd add those together, that's 1,500 times two years, that's $3,000. Let's say God wanted you to give something of value, about $1,000, you'd write that there and then you'd add that together, that's $4,000 of what you'd give over the next two years. Example number three. So you typically give $5,000, and you sense God stretching it another $2,000, that's $7,000. You multiply that by two years, that's $14,000. And maybe you sense God leading you to, to give something in addition to that, about $2,000 value, that would be $16,000 that you would give over the next two years. And I have no idea where you're at on those numbers. For some of us, those numbers are way high. For others of us, those numbers are way low but they're just examples of what it could look like for us to fill that out. So I'm challenging you, if you're part of our church family, to just talk to God and ask him what step he wants you to take. And for those who are watching online, there are digital intention cards on our website that you can follow that same process there on our website if you're interested in that. And one thing that I encourage you to do, it's gonna be super important, is to write your name and your contact information at the bottom of this card next Sunday when we turn this in. This is a really important part of this, this uh, process. And here's what you need to know about that. Only you and God and our finance director will know what you turn in. I'm not gonna know what you turn in. I don't care what you turn in. It's between you and God, not between you and me. But our finance director needs to know 
who you are so that uh, they can reach you for tax purposes. So it's really important for us to have that kind of information. Somebody who turns in a card with numbers on it without a name, it's really hard for us to consider that towards our imagined vision. So please make sure that your name is on that card. Now, I told you this past uh, week or this past several weeks that our goal for our Imagine Vision is to raise $8.4 million over two years. That's a lot of money. We, we've talked about that. So 3.4 will go towards our operational expenses plus expanded ministry, and then $5 million will go for building phase one. Now, I also told you that our building is going to cost us between $10 and $11 million. So you might be thinking, well, that math doesn't quite work out. So let me show you what 8.4 gets us. So $8.4 million will get us expanded ministry plus phase one of our building and a five to $6 million loan. That's what $8.4 million will get us. But here's what 14.4 will get us. 14.4 will get us expanded ministry, phase one of our building, and no debt. Now, I know some of you are thinking, Trent, you've lost your mind if you think we can raise 8.4. And Trent, you might be brain dead if you think we can get 14.4. Like, I understand that, if that's how you feel. Like, I get that. Uh, There are many days I have lost my mind, and there are moments where my brain is dead. So I understand. But we've been praying Ephesians 3.20 over the past 14 years. And we've seen God answer that prayer over and over and over again. Again, Ephesians 3.20. Now, all glory to God who is able, our God is able, through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we can ask, think, or imagine. So that's worth clapping for. So our God is able. Now, I actually can imagine us reaching 8.4. I actually think that's doable. But when it comes to 14.4, my brain goes, well, that's just stupid. Like, I don't think we can do that. Like, I'm not really sure. That's beyond my ability to imagine what we could do. God says, like, hey, why don't you ask me? Like, what if we asked our generous God to supply in abundance? Like, what if we asked? Like, what if we let him work in us? What if we let him stretch us and work through us? Like, what could he do? Like, maybe he could provide in abundance. Maybe he would surpass 14.4. I don't know. Or maybe he would say, hey, I'm not quite ready to do that yet because there's more I have to do in you before I can do that kind of thing through you. I don't know. I don't know what it'll say, but we won't know if we don't ask. So let's ask and let's join God in the work that he has for us to reach our community for him. So here's what I'm asking all of us to do this week. So I'm asking us, number one, to ask God what he might want you to give towards Imagine. I'm asking us to turn in our intention card uh, next week at our commitment Sunday. And then I'm asking us to fast and pray together this entire week. So typically in January, we do a a one-week fast. We've done a three-week fast, two-week fast, one-week fast. And I push us fasting food pretty hard in January. So this time, here's what I'm thinking. Let's not focus on the food part. You can if you want. But I encourage us to do an activity fast. So find something in your life that you waste time with. And I know you're you're pushing back going like, I'm so busy. I don't waste time. I think you waste time. Why? Because I waste time. You know, I'm, I'm busy, and there are moments I reach for my phone to watch a stupid YouTube video. And then, you know, 30 minutes later, I'm watching about how some guy found a bear cub when it was little, and he raised it, and he and, he and this bear cub are best friends now, and the bear's like twice his size. Like, I'm watching that video. 30 minutes later, I'm like, what am I doing? 
So I wasted 30 minutes. And we waste time on social media. We waste time on the internet. Some of us waste time shopping. Like, we can waste time in all kinds of ways. So when you're tempted to waste time, turn that into a moment of prayer. So when you reach for your phone, oh, I'm about to waste time. Like, what am I doing? Okay, pray. That's a time to pray. So God, I pray that you do infinitely more than we can ask, think, or imagine. Then you can waste time. And just think about how many times we like reach for our phone and, and go to waste time. Like you might find that you waste time 20 times a day. Guess what? That could be 20 opportunities to pray throughout a day. So let's pray together in that context. And then let's pray every day together as a church family at 320 in honor of Ephesians 320. So at 320, it could be PM or AM. If you're up at AM, we're praying for you at that time frame. But at 320, set your clock for 320. When you hear the alarm, just pause for a quick moment. You might even be saying that prayer in your head because you're in a business meeting at that time. I have no idea. Um, but just pause and pray at 320. Let's do that together as a church family. Now, in just a minute, our worship team is going to come out and they're going to sing a closing song for us about trusting in God. And while they're doing that, I want you to do something. I want you to, during this song, I want you to stretch your rubber band a little bit and have a conversation with God about how he might be stretching you right now or how he might want to stretch you. Just have a conversation with him about that. And then, uh, before this song is over, I encourage you, for those of you who are ready, to say, God, this is painful. I don't love it, but I'm gonna let you stretch me. Then I'd like you to go back to one of the three crosses at the back of our auditorium. And there's some white crosses at the back. And there are large rubber bands back there by those crosses. So don't try your small rubber band. It won't work. It'll break. Okay? So go for the big one. Stretch your rubber band across the nails on that cross, signifying that you're saying, God, I'm willing to let you stretch me because I want to grow spiritually in my relationship with you in whatever way that you want to work in my life. So do that during this final song. And then... Uh, you'll be free to go after you're finished with that. Now, before we sing, I want you to see how one group or several groups, sorry, of our church family have already gone first, have already committed to give and have already given. So two weeks ago, our elders, our staff, and some of our core leaders and members gathered together to pray and worship and give, turn in our intention cards. So that was a special night. And then in addition to that, our children's and student ministries, they have already committed to give and they have given already towards our Imagine Vision. And guess what they've given already so far? They've already given $1,858.83. So that's our elementary school kids, our middle school kids, and our high school kids have already committed. Why? Because they are so excited to reach their friends for Christ and have a church home that they can invite their friends to so that we can reach more of their friends for him. So let's pray. We're gonna watch that video. And during our final song, I encourage you to go to one of our crosses before you leave. Let's pray together. God, thank you for stretching us. Lord, I hate that. I hate being stretched. I hate the stretching process, but I love it when I'm stretched on the other side of that because that's how you help me grow to be a little bit more like you, Jesus. So God, today a lot of us are feeling tension. We're feeling like we're stretched or you wanna stretch us and we're not sure how to respond to that. Lord, just remind us that when you stretch us, you hold everything together. 
So Lord, teach us to live with open hands so that we can fulfill the vision that you've given us as a church. In Jesus' name, amen.